0: internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. I'm Mac. And this is the Gem Jam, where we do an episode-by-episode episode recap of the 1980s cartoon Gem and the Holograms, because it is truly outrageous, and we truly have, well, I wouldn't say bad taste, but I wouldn't say good taste either. This episode uh we have just finished up our five-parter introduction to the series and we are getting on track with a three-parter Starbright. Uh this episode we'll be doing Starbright part 1 Falling Star, which is an interesting series. They make a movie. And I mean you've you've pretty much you've you've been with us hopefully dear audience. Uh but if not uh, Jerica found awful earrings that her dad made that allowed her to project holograms. Her dad collected glam rock outfits and fan machines and also made a computer that can project holograms and is an AI. There's a band called The Misfits. Their songs are better. And they are going to get her. As the recap girl so eloquently puts it, Eric tried to stop them from performing during the Battle of the Bands, which really doesn't begin to cover all of that. We're now back to the present where Howard Sands is throwing them a fabulous party! At their own house, and all the Starlight girls are doing all the work. Yeah, the
1: orphan girls are working as slaves in the kitchen and apparently can't take breaks without asking permission.
0: I had to go back and watch this. The opening crawl here has a car coming in from, like, a mountainside pass up to the, up to the Starlight Mansion, which has been previously established as being, like, a metropolitan area mansion. But now it's in the mountains. We're also debuting here some updated character designs. From here on out, the animation is going to be much more consistent. There will still be wacky things happening, but the animation is going to be not quite as weird. Like, Jerrica has a has a sensible bob cut now instead of whatever was going on with her head last time.
1: So we basically kind of start the episode with Ryo being creepy. Jim walks out wearing this pink dress that the fashion designer gave her. and he Which goes, is a
0: real dress. Let's keep that in mind. This one's real. Real dress.
1: Yeah. It's a real dress. Keep that in mind. And as soon as she walks out, he approaches her and is like, you look so
0: hot, you'll melt the cameras. He runs up to say this. Can he not just sit on his hands to say this? Maybe when he gets a moment alone with her? It's like, as soon as he sees her, he's like, <gasps> <laughs> does he Does he not have any impulse control? No, he doesn't. Jem says, oh, Rio, you're in the movie, too, you know. Why Why is he in the movie? Why is he in the movie? We have no idea why he's in the movie. We have no idea why he's in any of the music videos, if they are, in fact, real music videos. He's at least in Twilight in Paris, which is a real music video. And so, like, th- this whole party, Jerica is switching between herself and Jem because she doesn't think that anybody would want to see Jem at her own party. Or maybe talk to Jerrica, whose house it is, who is the <laughs> band's manager. And this is when we, we start... Realizing one of our first problems is in these sort of situations, why is Synergy, who says herself in this episode that she can project 600 holograms a minute on a 60 volt cable outlet. <laughs> why can she not just constantly project a, like like a Jericha hologram? I mean, she can project sound through it. Like, she can just protect a Jerrica hologram, like, being in the background
1: going, sorry guys, I have to go handle this, and then dashing off to give Jim time to do things.
0: And finding creative ways not to be touched. She just goes up to see Synergy solely to remind us that Synergy exists. That's basically the only reason for all these hologram shenanigans, plus foreshadowing. She gets like, oh, Synergy, I don't want to tire you out. And it's really, it's oddly cuddly considering how businesslike their interactions have been before. Yeah, it's another one of those things where like, you get the feeling that, that Synergy is supposed to be a much more dynamic character.
1: So we've got Jim, which is innately a hologram because it's over Jericha, goes into this room, says shows over Synergy, and she's wearing a real dress. Remember that. We said that <laughs> at the beginning. She's wearing a real dress. She goes in,
0: says shows over Synergy, and so she becomes Jericha, but the dress disappears. There's a Jericha hologram over a Jim hologram over a Jericha. It's just turtles all the way down. And she's been, like, turned around throughout all this. Uh, and so she responds to a call for Jerrica by one of the Starlight Girls and responds to it as Jem and only sees herself in the mirror and realizes what she's done in a moment that I actually thought was, like, fun. That was kind of cute, yeah. Mrs. Bailey, the, the deus ex-housekeeper, needs Jerrica while this is happening because Bonnie, who is not catering, is instead watching a gem video, and she's sitting really close to the TV. So there might be something wrong with Bonnie's eyes, which is basically our main impetus for this entire three-episode plot, is there is something wrong with Bonnie's eyes. But we don't have a lot of time for that because we, are, because we have two things that happen in rapid succession. First, we are introduced to Video, who is maybe the most dated character in the series in kind of a charming way. The brightest talent in the videotape scene today, is the quote. The videotape scene. Take a moment to soak that in, audience. Would she be a Viner in this? She'd be a Viner or a a YouTuber or something. She'd be doing Let's Plays. Yeah, she would super be doing Let's Plays. But here she's making a documentary of the movie, which means that she has her own camera that is as appropriate to video cameras of the era, uh, about the size of a briefcase. It's the size of a small child. It's the size of a small child, and she hoists it on her shoulder all the time, because this was the 80s, and this is what we did. And the second thing that happens is Rio drags (laughs) Jerrica out to the balcony to talk about how much he likes Jim. She makes the air sizzle like some bright and dazzling dream. But not <laughs> you, Jerrica. Yeah, he gives him the most backhanded compliment about being responsible and and, and dependable. Like, great. And Jerrica's reaction is really weird here because she's like, it's almost like she's jealous of herself. Also, Rio sort of puts his hand on her shoulder, which is right on the gigantic feather that is at the top of Jem's dress. The real, the real dress that is happening. So it's like Rio, <laughs> Rio cannot feel that. Rio, your your head is like right in the feather, Rio. But no, he sees too busy having his gem reverie.
1: Like
0: then we launch to our first music video, right? Which is "Who Is He Kissing?" A gem song, which is another one of the sort of quote-unquote angry songs, or at least one that's a little more driven. Uh, which I, I still feel it really works with the uh, with the singing voice of of Gem, and it's one that I actually really like. I like the song a lot. Yeah. And so we flash to the neighboring mansion because Pizzazz lives right next door. Bizzaz lives next door. I'm pretty sure in all the establishing shots of the mansion after this, there's no room for another mansion right next door, but here it is, and I'm fine with that. They're, like, watching the party from her p- front porch. It's great. Bizzaz <laughs> is a mansion, and, like, this whole little scene here with Bizzaz, it sort of sets up her motivation, which I totally love. Stormer and, uh, and, and Roxy are like, I didn't know you had a mansion. She's like, we have bigger ones. <laughs> and then she walks into the room and she, like, kicks a chair and then trips over the chair. <laughs> yeah, she's like, anyway, who cares about money? And, like, the, the other two look at each other and we're like, we do. Which is the reaction of everyone who doesn't actually have money. Yeah, yeah, it's like this whole scene is really, is funny and it does a great job of, like, setting up pizzazz because she just, she wants to be famous. She wants to be known for who she is and what she can do rather than just being rich. She wants to be worshipped. She wants to be like an American god. She wants to go hang out with Mr. Wednesday. So, Pizzazz gets this idea. Because as we've established, shut up, she's the brains here. <laughs> Buy the movie studio, daddy. She goes to her dad, who I swear to god is Walter Cronkite. We think he might be an oil baron. <laughs> Pizzazz wants him to buy a movie studio. He's just like, alright, fine. It'll get you out of my hair. Have a movie studio. She's like, I know just who can run it. Oh, I wonder who that could be. Who indeed? (laughs) Eric Raymond. (laughs) Eric Raymond now runs the movie studio. Oh, no. He's even, like, when the holograms come into the office of the movie head who wants to see them uh, uh, the next day when they start filming. They go in, and Eric Raymond even has his chair facing the window away from them so he can swivel (laughs) around while his fingers are stapled. His face has been redesigned, too. He looks even worse. Luckily, he at least also keeps his dress shirt buttoned the frick up with a little tie so we never have to kind of imagine what his clavicle might look like. Also, he says that lawyer's line again from the last episode. Amazing what lawyers can do if you pay them enough. Yeah, we have a continuity error here, which is, I assume, massage there for the sake of saying, okay, this episode is this this episode is kind of a soft reboot. Let's just let's reestablish everything, including that Eric Raymond should be, by all accounts, should be in jail, but something something lawyers. And so and here's a weird thing, guys, here's a really weird thing, because we've been keeping track of this. Eric mentions that Gemma the Hologram signed a contract to with that with a failure to perform clause. Signed? This was on paper? This is a world won by verbal agreements. Nobody signs contracts. But the hell is a contract? Also, I, I love that they did not apparently read the contract with the failure to perform agreement. That explicitly mentions the misfits. And for some reason, this movie thing is something that Jem is adamant about. She is freaking mad about it because she... Like, her delivery in this line is amazing. It's like, in all caps, nothing or nobody is taking this movie away from us. (laughs) What is, has this always been your dream to be in a movie? Why is this a big deal for you? (laughs) The movie deal was kind of just sort of tossed in there in the original verbal agreement that, that began this whole shroud. But here she is, and it's a really big deal for her. And if they fail to perform for any reason, they are out. And the first day of shooting is the best. Anthony Julian, the music video director, is directing this movie? Apparently he can direct movies now. I guess director just means that you can that you can direct everything. Well, he's not the most unqualified person to ever work on this film. No, yeah. he's not the
1: most unqualified person on set, in fact.
0: And then we also have this, we start this sort of the subplot of, like, how the Teamsters feel about Gem and the Holograms. The Misfits talk them up, say that they're snobs, and then, like, Someone rightfully points out a little a little thing here is that, well, what's going to happen when they want to do your makeup, Gem? You have hollow face. So this is just like I don't know. I, I do my own makeup, and, and the makeup lady is like, snob. So this is where we meet Nick Mann, our leading man, who is basically Gaston. He is a dime store Gaston. This is also where we meet Constant Montgomery, aka Clash, because Clash drives in and takes videos to get onto the set. she has little tiny symbols on her wrist, and she goes kaboom whenever she smacks They're like it. finger symbols, and they make the sound of, like, actual symbols. <laughs> we also meet Jeff. Jeff is a stunt double for Nick Man, and he is... He's a, he's a jerk. He really likes Kimber, though. While she has absolutely no interest in him, is not even ready to give him the time of date because she has a gigantic crush on Nick Man. There's a bit where he's like, she trips back, and he's like, I've got you, Kimber! Uh, thanks. Because it's like, I didn't even introduce myself to you. How do you know my name? <laughs> and then she's like, fine, I'm gonna go talk to Nick Man. he's like, you're wasting your time! It's like, I did not ask you. And also because Nick Man is talking to Jem. Yeah, because Nick Man always ends up in a romance with his leading lady. Then Jem's like, uh... And Rio's like... Mm. Yeah, Rio is mad. Julian quits as the director, and Eric takes over. Eric takes over. Eric's now our director. Although, rightfully, everyone points out that he does not know how to direct movies. Yeah, no, like, everybody's like, uh, and he's like, shut up. I believe this is the first time that anyone's questioned anybody's qualifications in this entire show. It might be one of the last times. Yeah, this is when we get
1: jealousy, where we get to see Rio being a possessive... Jerk even more than he already is. It's a lot of dark colors and clashes, basically, as Rio gets angry about Jim kissing Mc, uh, McMahon. Like the, I want to say
0: the animation quality of, of the music videos in this episode are actually really solid. And this is another one of those sort of semi-angry songs, which is why I think it really works with the Gem and the Holograms thing. It's not quite a Gem and the Holograms song, but I really I, I, I like the refrain in this a lot. Oh, the video is just ninety percent fire and Rio making demon faces.
1: Yes, yeah. it is, which
0: is why I love it because it ends in the best possible way. And then Rio
1: punches Nick Mann and doesn't get sued for it.
0: It is not actually part of the music. Uh, part of the musical. Part of the movie. Rio just straight up cannot tell the difference between acting and real life, <laughs> and runs onto the set punches Nick Man in the face. <laughs> in his face. His moneymaker. This is day one. It's day one. The directors quit and Rio has punched somebody in the face. Overall, this is gonna be a great shoot. So this is a heck of a thing. And I believe this is day three now that we have a live press conference. And I want to point out that the dress Bazazz is wearing for this press conference is the most beautiful catastrophe I've ever seen in my life. I have it written down here as Evil Prom clown dress. And so, like, for some reason, because Pizzazz is flirting with Rio, as she does for some reason, Jem is like mad at him about it or something for being flirted at. I guess. I guess. I mean, these two kind of deserve each other.
1: They are the worst. And and like, for some reason, Pizzazz is flirting at Rio, and she decides in the middle of flirting with him, she turns around and goes, "Do it, girls!" And the other misfits pull down this giant, this 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 banner. This banner, yeah, that just says. The Misfits and the Holograms star in... Starbright. Is that really the appropriate time in the middle of flirting with Rio? It's in the middle
0: of this press conference, and I guess this, this poster yeah. is humiliating? Yeah, I guess. Oh, I don't know. The really great thing about this is that when Stormer and Roxy pull on that rope, they basically just kind of sink into the floor. Another thing I do want to kind of point out that's uh, that's not necessarily
1: got to do with the plot, but just if you notice any of the background like extras here... They're all
0: multicultural, which is really nice. All of your all of your crew on this movie, like they are it's a diverse group. I say this is probably one of the parts in particular where it really comes across what Christy Marks was trying to do with Jem was create lots of men and women, lots of lots of ethnicities, lots of diversity, as much as she could in this, because why not? But like this movie is starting to look kind of sketchy. Howard Sands goes to find uh Pizazz's dad and appeal to him. <laughs> Like, he's on the phone or something, or he's not really paying attention, until Howard Sands says, this may cost you millions. And he perks up, it's like, did you say millions? And again, he's like, whatever, I don't really care, it keeps my daughter out of my hair. <laughs> so, Mr. Gabor, for best dad of, what is this, 1986? Best Dad, 1986, incumbent, six years running. We get our third song of the episode, and it is finally our Misfit song, and it is Universal Piz- Appeal. In which Pizzazz is Galactus, Devourer of Worlds. <laughs> I don't know what it is about these music videos, they love giant Pizzazz. They do. Is this just, is this just how Galactus appears to Glam Rockers? As a yes. specific species? Yes. Again, the animation in this is, is really fun, although they are really, really into this shot of Stormer and Roxy, like, shoving their heads in from the side and saying some kind of, like, in this case, universal appeal. Their arms
1: are always kind of, like, twisted and shifted around in, like, sometimes really
0: painful-looking ways. The important thing is Pazazz looks great, and I kind of love this outfit that she's in. We don't really see it very often. It's like this kind of evil bellhop onesie. I mean, the Misfits song must be better, because it cheeses Jem off again, and she pulls out the same kind of weird passion that she did for Nothing or Nobody's Gonna Take This Movie Away From Us. And she's like, That's it! You're through throwing your weight around! And launches one of the planet things at Pizzazz, which would seriously hurt her. And Pizzazz like, is like, I've only begun! And then they throw some more space puns at each other before Pizzazz has <laughs> a screech. The holograms
1: quit. And uh, here we also see Eric Raymond's weird obsession with Kimber continue. Yeah, it's it's really creepy. The holograms are leaving, and he grabs Kimber and goes, "You don't have to go, Kimber." What is his
0: thing with Kimber? What is this Kimber thing? I mean, doesn't he even earlier try and ply the like? Well, yeah, earlier he's actually trying to ply her to their side. He's like, "Jerrica, does, Jem doesn't care about you. How about your own scene with Nick?" And she's like, "My own scene." <laughs> He's like, you don't have to go, Kimber. What is this thing with Kimber? It's weird. It's weird. Does he just want to, like, pat the back of his hand on her face some more? Yes. I don't know. It's weird. But the holograms have quit the movie. The misfits are spectacular. They are ecstatic. The misfits are it. The misfits are it. As Jem is walking out of the studio, there's like this little conversation with Video about, well, at least you still have your music and we have friends or something like that. And there's a little bit of a romantic vibe between Video and Jem.
1: Getting to know you is definitely not a waste of time, wink.
0: You're right. There is kind of a, it's like it's sunset. There's these nice close-ups where they smile at each other. You're right. And then we have Bonnie's eye appointment. Yeah, it turns out Bonnie has, according to the eye doctor, a degenerative eye condition. He doesn't say which one no just a degenerative eye condition it's whatever and like he says he could have gotten from her parents and Jerrica's like bonnie's an orphan we don't know who her parents are false first off bonnie knows her father has red hair this will be brought up many times in the future <laughs> but also bonnie in flashbacks uh, was a young girl not much older than she is now when her mo- when she left vietnam when she left her mother She probably can give you the name of her mother. I mean, she she's not an orphan. She's a foster child. But the important thing is, within a matter of months, maybe weeks, Bonnie will go blind. And there's this great (laughs) beat as this line is delivered. As it zooms in on Jerrica's face, we're like, there's this beat where she doesn't seem to react. And then she just sort of like, her hands are sort of smacked onto her face while her mouth forms this perfect "oh." She does the home alone face. And that's where we end. Bonnie could go blind. We don't have a doll for her, but you better buy a Gem doll anyway. (laughs) Just be safe. For these three episodes of Starbright, I would like to have a segment at the end of the episode where we try and figure out what the plot of the movie is so far. So, Kit, this is all new to you. What would you say the plot of the movie is based on this information? Some kind of fictionalized account of Gem with, like, a a different actor playing Rio, I guess. Rio is in the movie, too, you know. But why? I mean, I guess we could always go for the cop-out here and say maybe it's, it's sort of a, a hard day's night sort of thing. At this point, with just the information we have in this episode, that seems reasonable, that it's a hard day's night. Mac, would you say your, your theory is?
1: My theory at this point is, well, a hard day's night is actually a pretty legit theory. I would, I would almost just lean towards maybe a rom-com with some music
0: thrown in. So maybe something across the university. And you would say the music videos with all the fire and stuff and all the yeah. space sets which were previously constructed that these might be say sort of like musical sequences, yeah, they don't really conform to to regular laws, yeah i feel I feel generously on my end that I might lean toward a hard day's night, but i judging from what we see in in later episodes of this of this little three arc i I think that theory might not hold up, but You know, we'll just kind of have to wait until next time to maybe get some more information on what exactly Starbright the movie is. I think that wraps it up for us on this episode of The Gem (laughs) Jam for Starbright Part 1. So, until next time, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this has been The Gem Jam, where outrageousness is the better part of valor.